When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Always Evolving is brought to you by Cast Centers, which is a company and organization very close to me. I founded Cast Centers over 17 years ago. We provide the best evidence-based practices for therapy, mental health, addiction, Anytime you're struggling or you have a loved one who is struggling, make sure you go to our website at www.castcenters.com, C-A-S-T, centers.com. Give us a call. We're here to help. We'll help you with a free assessment, and let's get your mental health on track. Going to have a conversation with someone today who is in my last book, One Decision, The First Step to a Better Life, which that book was all about helping people make one decision towards a better life. And if you read that book, then if you went to page 101, which we talked about fortune telling and or fact finding, you'll hear Mike Piastantino's story, also known as Coach Quads on Instagram because his quads are enormous. You have huge quads. Thank you. But the reason I'm having you join me today is not because of uh, you being in one decision, the book, but more I thought that it's pretty inspiring that you've created a hobby and passion for yourself later in life, which is now doing stand-up comedy. Yes. It was something that was very terrifying initially, but there was... I started writing jokes just because I just had these ideas and I've always been creative. I do, you know, uh, visual arts and stuff like that. So I was just like, oh, let me write down these ideas. Maybe they'll turn into something somewhere down the line. And then I started to follow a lot of comedians and listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. And I was like, hey, I should try this. And the funny thing was I had a handful of friends that are like successful comics. Like they were just friends in my life from different places outside of comedy. And they were all just like, yeah, just go and do it. So I just decided one day to start doing it. And it was the most terrifying thing I think I've ever done. Really? I've never had more of the feeling of a panic attack than when I first started doing comedy. You mean the first time you went on stage? The first 50 times, probably. Like, it doesn't go away for a while. Right. So you get, like, this level of comfort. And then... um but that was almost what stimulated me to want to keep doing it. Like I had to overcome this thing. And for me, so much of things in my life that I choose to do and all that are all about personal growth. Mm. So realizing that it was that terrifying made me realize it was something I had to learn how to do 
learn how to overcome this feeling. Because for me, like my backstory, like so much of my professional world as a trainer was personal is, trainer, personal trainer. Yeah. Is wrapped up in body. And, and how long and have you been look, a personal trainer? Since 1996. Do you get sick of it? And actually, I don't. It's a it's a weird thing. I don't know why or how. There have been times in my career that I've had like low points, but those are usually my low my personal low points, and that's why I'm. You know what I mean? I'm 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 having issues with life in general. So mm. work being just one part of that. But when things are going good, like I love it. It's great. Hmm. It's a, it's a, such a great and rewarding job, especially because I have such a wide range of clients. I have everything from people getting ready for a competition all the way to someone that's just post-surgery and I'm rehabbing them because, you know, they've had a knee injury or a back injury or something like that. So, what would be the, uh, what you've seen is in your, gosh, over 25 years of why certain people achieve their goals that they come to you with and why some don't? Um, wow. I mean, it all comes back to mindset. The place they're at, the place they think they can get to. And it's it's no different than comedy, like pursuing comedy. It's this belief that you can't do it. And if you stick with that belief, you'll fulfill that belief. Mm -hmm. You'll figure out a way to derail yourself to go, oh, see, I was right. I can't stick to this diet. I can't continue doing this. Right. I'm just this person that doesn't exercise. Yeah, or, I, or see that a lot. I see that often even with people in their jobs where they'll say, you know, I've spent 20 years doing this. I'm just a blank. It's almost like well, there's thousands of other opportunities to take your skill set, but people are committed to the story that they just can't change or they just can't get well. And part of it, your passion for getting into comedy. And before that, your your hobby was more art, right? Yeah. Creating yeah, art. Yeah. Yep. So you've always had hobbies while being a trainer. No, but eventually, yes, because I was At least since so I've known you. It's a, yeah, as long as I've known you, yes. But prior to that, when I first moved to L.A., there was a period of time for like probably from college all the way through to living here about 10 years where I just I was so lacking creatively and I just didn't know what to do with myself. And I think that was part of my displeasure with life, if you will, you know, that I just didn't have anything that I was passionate about, mm. you know. So getting back into art kind of fueled that. And then I started doing other things creatively, and then I got into the comedy. So th the creative stuff really fuels my day-to-day, -day, and it just kind of, to sound corny, makes me more like excited about life. Sure. Because I have these things that I'm doing, and you can see them, you know, you start with an idea, and then you build it and grow it, and you know, and it becomes this whole bigger thing. Hobbies and, with, and passions are so important, especially when they push us out of our comfort zone. It's so easy to choose hobbies. Watching TV is not a hobby. Going to movies is yes. not a hobby. Yes, food. People go, I go food. I love food. I go to dinner. I'm like, yeah, so everybody yeah, goes to I'll, dinner. I'll, because I'm <laughs> single right now, I'm on, you know, I've been on some dating sites, and one of the things that people say they love to do is go to movies. And I'm like, oh, that, that, I could do that by myself. Like, <laughs> right, right. Whatever. It's, it's not that exciting or interesting that that yeah. is your hobby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching Netflix yep. and going to movies yeah. is not very attractive to me. Right. When our friendship has actually been based in more activities, like we go to art shows, yeah, we've gone to you know a bunch of different. Things. I don't think we've ever gone to the movies together. No, 
I don't. I don't. I don't like, think we've ever watched TV together besides fights, maybe. Just fights. I think that's yeah. it. Yeah, there would be no reason to. Yeah, I've been watching a lot of these crime, um, unsolved mysteries, serial killer shows lately at night. Mm. I was so spooked the other night that I checked every room in the house before I went to sleep. <laughs> you know, I brought my That's dog great. with me, Vita, to like explore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought to myself, oh, my dog will bark at people when they come, but she's kind of lazy. <laughs> and what if someone's really smooth? Right. Because right. you realize how crazy some people are out there. Sure. Sure. And, and may, those shows make you realize how dark people get and how messed up people's lives have been, maybe from their childhood. And that's why they're so like that. Or just how deranged people can become and do horrible things. Horrible things. Yeah. You're just like, wow. It's, it's, I watched an episode last night about a guy in Arizona or two guys. And they would literally just, um, they called it, oh my gosh, I can't come up with a name, but they would drive around and just shoot people. Mm. And they would shoot people every few weeks or so. And it was a hobby for them. Like, it was like a sport. Wow. And it just was so crazy to me that someone would actually go around and shoot strangers. Yeah. So then what I did is I locked up my house as much as possible, <laughs> even though I'm, like, pretty <laughs> private. And uh, you did not grow up where you had these passions. You grew up in Philadelphia mm -hmm. and kind of in a macho environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is I wonder why the East Coast kind of has more of that in California there's no what a man is yeah so to speak yeah I wonder why that is more on the I think East it's Coast. just old embedded culture from the time when people came here as immigrants and you were literally fighting tooth and nail to survive and you know it was all about just working hard you don't have to love what you do you have to make money mm. to provide for your family because we came here from, you know, my family from Italy, you know, we came here and you got to make it happen in this new place. And then I think, you know, that that idea of providing then gets wrapped up into gender and, you know, mm -hmm. that's what a man does. And a man is just tough. But you don't have time for emotions because he's got to be doing in order to be worth anything. So then your worth gets wrapped up in. I mean, I'm a great example of it. I mean, I'm muscular. Like, I've trained my whole life to look like this man prototype. Right. You know, because my early environment dictated that. This is, and I was an art, art kid in like junior high school and grade school and got ridiculed left and right from family, friends. You know what I mean? Like, for creating art. Oh, yeah. 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 It was horrible. What was acceptable? sports mm. being tough it was probably more acceptable to be a thug than it was an artist huh like hey kid's tough right he doesn't take any crap you know what i mean or yeah and you're just like oh yeah it's so silly right right but again it's all just i think it's just a culture and i always use the example it's also italian if you look at the jersey shore that show and people are like oh this is so crazy and i go no 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 they're just following the rules the rules are you look a certain way, man right. looks a certain way, woman looks, looks a certain way. Behavior is acceptable or unacceptable. What behavior is acceptable? Fighting each other, totally acceptable. Being weak, not acceptable at all. Mm. Being sad, not acceptable. You know what I mean? So it's like, and even you'll see the women on the show physically fighting each other. Totally acceptable. Hey, yeah, she pissed her off. What are you going to do? You know? So it's like, and then if you look at different groups, 
there's a different set of rules. Mm. You know, I live in Los Angeles now and I train a lot of people in Beverly Hills. Like there's a whole different set of rules in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And, and if anything, like looking like me is not okay to be, to, you know what I mean? To be super fit and big or whatever. They're just like, why would you do that? In like Beverly almost, Hills, you're saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, there is uh, lifting so much at the gym is Mm-mm. as popular in Beverly Hills as it may be in downtown Philadelphia. No, no. Right? It's more fitness than it is yeah, weight training. Yeah, it's more feeling good, looking yeah. in, yeah. And but, the weight training in Philadelphia is, again, back to this machismo culture of the gym. So you, you started doing stand-up comedy how long ago? Uh, about four years ago. Did you take classes to get into it? No, no. It's one of those things like, and, and again, I'm fortunate that I had friends that knew it. They're like, you just go do it. How old are you, Mike? I am 49. I just so you, turned 49. you started doing this at 45. You were like, <laughs> yes. I need to do this. Yes. I had this strong urge, yes. but the urge had to be more than just facing fear because there's a thousand ways to face fear. Oh, well, no, I mean, I, of course I, I, I'm the guy in a conversation. I always like to make the joke. Uh, you know, I, I just like to make people laugh. And, and I, I, if we even go further back, so that comes from growing up in a family with almost no joy. Hmm. No one was ever happy. So I think part of what I started to do was trying be funny. Like, let's break this tension. So I just got used to trying to make light of everything. Hey, let's not think everything is so heavy and difficult yeah. all the time why don't we just laugh a little bit life's not that bad like even if it's bad it's still not that bad you can mm. find joy you can find you know happiness in moments and times and stuff like that so i think that was part of it you know that i always enjoyed doing that right and then this was just an extension of that and so you you came up with an act and it <laughs> kind of uh and it's a hobby where for a long time you don't make any money. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get in front of people and the goal is to ha- entertain so that people walk away from it feeling either an escape or feeling better or mm-hmm. be, having the ability to laugh. Yeah. And that can be very difficult. Yes. Because <laughs> some people uh, just... It's almost as if it's, uh, okay, now perform. Mm. Or they're used to going to comedy shows, so there's different levels in mm-hmm. terms of how someone can carry a stage in a moment. But the first time you did it, how long before did you know you were going to do stand-up? Like, go on stage. Honestly, I probably had written jokes for two years prior to starting. Mm. I was just writing stuff down like, oh, this is funny. This is a funny pre-. And I didn't know whether I was going to make them into like Instagram videos or do start doing skits at some point right. or what. I just, again, I was like, that's a good idea. Let me document it in my notes. And I just had a comedy note page in my notes section. So when you first performed notes, it was it for five people who were all performing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's in an open mic room. It's, you know, other comics. Everyone's there to do comedy. No one's there to see comedy. Uh So you're trying to make a group of people laugh that really aren't interested in laughing. They're interested in making you laugh. So it's an even harder. And they may not even be paying attention. Yeah. Sometimes people are just on their phones, you know, which is rude. You shouldn't do that. But anyway. (laughs) So the first time you you 
attempt it, mm-hmm. how long is your set? Uh, my set is five minutes, but I probably only got through three and a half minutes. Because? I just blanked. Literally, just my mind went blank. And I could not think of even what I was just talking about or what I was going to say next. You went into fight or flight. Yeah. And, and once that panic, like that whole body sensation of panic, yeah. where you can almost feel it into the hair follicles on top of your head. And I was just like, ah. And I was like, okay, that's all I have. And thank you. And then I just walked off. And, and people you- laughed throughout. Like it wasn't uh-huh. unfunny, but I just was so nervous. I mean, I remember a couple times after that, just sitting in the audience going, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Just go home. Mm. Like, like feeling just this anxiety and stress. And I'm like, why am I doing? And I did it and it was fine, you know, and, and you survive and you learn and you grow and, you know, so. But at first, did you love it or no? It's exhilarating regardless of how it goes. <laughs> so even when it goes bad, there's like this endorphin rush. Um, and then when it starts to go better, it's an even different, better endorphin rush. So you go from first, how many times did you perform with the other people in the room who are also doing comedy and there's no real audience that's just coming to see a comedy show? I mean, that's all the time. And still, I mean, those, those are the mics where you're practicing to get on mic. Yeah, so there's a whole system in LA, and I think they do it other places too. How much that, does it cost to, that, to get on the mic? It's five bucks for five minutes. You know, people, people who do karaoke don't have to pay. They should have to pay too, because some of them are just... But there, they're selling drinks. Uh, so you're in the bar to drink, and this is the thing to get you in the bar. This isn't the bar. So that's why often a comedy show is free. Here's for free tickets to come see the comedy show. We want to get you in the door. We want you to buy something to eat. We want you to buy some drinks. That's why all most comedy clubs are a two drink minimum. Ah. You're paying for two drinks to see the show. You're not paying for the show, but you kind of are paying but for the you, show. But but you pay. How much does it cost to perform uh, to practice? It's usually five bucks for five minutes, eight bucks for ten minutes. If you're oh, doing it's cheap, a yeah, it's cheap. That's what I'm saying. There's the the barrier to entry to do the mics, especially for me as someone who's married with a kid, a full time day job. It was the perfect timing for this style of open mic because I could schedule something at a specific time when I was available and could do it. I could pay the five bucks, which was I'm fine with, and do the thing that I wanted to do and not have to sit in a club for four hours with my name in a bucket and maybe not get picked. Right. Like I just sat here, you know, an entire night away from my family. Where did they do this in L.A.? Uh, well, I mean, I go a lot to the fourth wall. They kind of started this whole format of, you know, the, the, the pay for the mic time. Uh, Joe Menente, who's, who's been great to me and, you know, super supportive and has put me on a bunch of shows and stuff. So it started there and then other places kind of picked up the model. So it's literally there's probably more than a dozen places like this. So how often do you do it? I do it usually like two times a week. And get out like two days of the week. And then I do like a writer's group with some of my, my, you know, my, my peers, I guess. And we, you know, kick around ideas. And, and where does this go? Because I have to imagine it's, uh, there's very few comedians that command, you know, it's almost, yeah. you need a huge platform or doing it for a while or is, is it more 
do a lot of people do this to fulfill that passion in their life or because they're making wanting to make a career out of it? I mean, in my experience, it's 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 usually one or the other. People are doing it for the art of it. Right. And then some people are doing it because they want to be famous. And usually those people will mention at some point in their set being wanting to become famous. They will. Yeah. 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 Like it's so obvious that you're just like, well, you're not, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you're not even doing comedy. You're just talking about how you want to be famous. Like be, be funny. And that'll well, make you famous. I think it's such a weird concept to want to be famous. Well, I think people, it's, it's people have a perception of what it is. Yeah. And then there's the reality of what it is. Yeah, like, I don't want to be famous. Yeah. It's, I, uh, hobby-wise, I'm, I'm, I create some animation cartoons mm -hmm. that I'm, um, that was like shit I wish I knew as a kid. Right. And uh, hired, you know, like, it was my, it's my first one, so I'm going to put it on my, like, Instagram and Facebook, but it's, um, they're animated videos because I don't want to have to always be Coach Mike. Yeah. Um, I want to have creative outlets. Yep. To do it. Yep. And then... Um, but that I, what I found is it takes a level of narcissism to really want to be famous because mm. what you're saying is you want to be relevant and to be relevant is doing what people want you to do. So at mm. a certain point you can act out, you can be crazy, you can be controversial, but then if you create that image, you have to consistently be controversial Otherwise, you're no longer relevant. Yeah. And even people that are iconic still chase relevance. Yeah. And it seems exhausting to me. Yeah, and I, I, I do think that's a, the beauty of stand-up comedy in a way because the, the ones that are really good are really honest and themselves and pure. And it's not about chasing the thing. There's like, no, here's what I have to say. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. And you're seeing a lot of that in the world right now, like the backlash and the cancel culture. And the, like, nope, I said it because I thought it was funny. So now you may disagree. Are, because for a while, people were getting canceled who were comedians for saying things even from 15 years ago, right? Absolutely. Yep. And is that still happening as much now? I, I think it's calmed down a bit. Yeah. But I still think everybody is, is kind of chomping at the bit to cancel somebody. Yeah. It's just a weird time where everyone just wants to go, see, they're not a good person. Yeah, I think passion and finding hobbies is so important that are outside of, like, you know, I do jujitsu. I'm supposed to do a tournament this or a tournament this weekend in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And Tony, who worked with me for a while, is going out to videotape it. And I'm flying out my professor. And I ended up throwing out my back on Saturday. Mm. Um, and it had been maybe four or five, six months since I've thrown out my back. And I, of course, like an addict, did cupping and acupuncture <laughs> and massage right, right. and stretching Fix it. and jacuzzi and doing everything <laughs> I can in my power because I really want to compete this weekend. Sure. It's my first tournament as a blue belt. It's pushing myself, mm -hmm. right? And there's a thousand reasons not to do it. One of those, obviously, if I'm so injured, I shouldn't do it. But then it's easy also to allow fear to convince that the injury is horrible. You know, I'm sure people do jujitsu tournaments all the time and have injuries. Yep. And at what point is it, okay, this is healthy versus unhealthy. But again, it's a hobby I invest in. 
I'm never going to be a famous jujitsu fighter. <laughs> like I'm right. 40, turning 43 in September, but it's pushing self to get out of comfort zone mm -hmm. because getting out of comfort zone as we get older and realizing that we can do so much more or try so many different things. Yeah. And I often work with a lot of people who won't get out of their comfort zone. They will stay comfortable. They'll even start to say they don't like people, you know, <laughs> that they have their group of friends, they have their routine, they have their structure. But sometimes people don't want to get out of their comfort zone because it's hard because you could be rejected. Right. And I think that's, as I've gotten older, I've realized how important it is to push ourselves yeah. to do things that initially we will suck at. Mm -hmm. Like my animated video, which I'll show you after this, it's called The Cloud. It's basically um, about how self-judgment comes from self. Like it's really irrelevant what other people think of us. Now, if we're trying to be famous, it does matter. Mm what people think about us. But if we're just trying to live our life, it doesn't matter. As long as there's no consequences, like suddenly we can't afford to live. Right. And, and so it's kind of the story that I created when I was going through my breakup. And uh, I was on a date actually uh, with someone and I said, Hey, what do you want to do? And he was like, Oh, um, I don't know what you want to do. I was like, let's write. And uh, I turned on music and we both wrote stories. So this is oh, one of nice. the stories that I wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's came great. out of it. Yeah. But it's um, many times in this process of even creating the animation, it's like, Mike, what are you doing? Yeah. This isn't that good. It's that doubt. Um, God, you're actually putting, you're, is this too depressing? Are you putting out there the wrong image? But really when you just do when you achieve things that you're proud of it gives you the experience so like doing stand-up comedy doesn't only give you the experience of doing stand-up comedy it gives you the experience of working as a part of a creative team it gets mm -hmm. you the experience of how to be respectful mm -hmm. gets you the experience of if you speak in public how to move emotion yeah, it probably even teaches you different ways to be a parent. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it has all these values. And if the only value was I want to do comedy because I want to be famous mm -hmm. or I want to just make a career out of this, you miss all these other things that bring you joy. Yeah. And then you're just chasing the thing that you think will make you famous and you're not authentic to yourself and you're often not growing and doing those things that you just mentioned because you're so caught up in what will get me popular. Yeah. I'll be that. And, and it's impossible to grow without at some point feeling like you suck. Oh yeah. So, I still do. Even so, when I've when, what was the done experience well, you had looking back that still makes you uneasy with your stomach where you're like, oof. It's weird. I have this weird ability to let things go. That's a good ability. Yeah. It's, um, and something about me in my entire life, since I probably started weight training, like I'm really good at choosing discomfort. Like it's become like a skill where I'm okay, completely uncomfortable. Mm. So we, even when it's going horrible, 
I'm just analytical about it. Why is it going horrible? What did I do that, you know, why so was that what, not funny? So why did the I beginning, bomb? But then, for, then what is the actual fear then doing it? For, um, for me, initially, it was so wrapped up in my um, physical appearance because I have body dysmorphia. So I'm so conscious or have so much thought wrapped up in what I look like and how people perceive me physically that just being up in front of people and having a room full of people just looking right at me. What do you mean body dysmorphia? So body dysmorphia is where, you, you know, when you look in the mirror, you see something different than actually appears in reality. So you have these things that you, fo you hyper-focus on and, you know, you want to change and you want to make better. And so you think everyone was staring at a part of your body or yeah. Yeah. Or they like, they judging me that they think I'm, you know, do I think I'm a meathead? Do they think I'm, you know, I'm talking about working out. Do I not look like I work out enough for what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Like it's all this judgment stuff, which we could backtrack to my childhood and, you know, understand yeah. the origin story of that. Um, but that's also, <laughs> I think what drives me to do it in a weird way. I fear that, but I also am comfortable with the judgment and it's familiar. So, so at first the fear was body dysmorphia. Everyone's staring at you mm -hmm. while you're up there and they're judging your body. Mm -hmm. Then what did it become? Um, well then it, once, once you get past that, once I got past that, then it becomes like, is this funny? Am I doing this? this endeavor well and how do I figure out how to do it better when it fails or when something doesn't get a reaction or, or even just learning how to riff off of when something fails, you know, it's all just skill based. Did you have a joke that just never landed that you're, you thought, gosh, this is really funny. Um, yeah, I'm sure I have. And then, and then you and just scratch it or do you go, no, probably, I think it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There have been stuff that I scratched because I, I felt like it was a funny joke. For if you lived your life. No, it was a funny joke, but it really wasn't my joke in a way. It was a funny concept, maybe like an observation or something, but it did, really didn't match who I am. So it could never land because mm. it wasn't believable from me. And that's the other thing with the authenticity. The more authentic you are, then the more believable it is. They're like, oh, that's that guy. Right. Like, I understand who this person is. And then they can laugh with you because they go, oh, I get it. Whereas someone, when you're not sure who they are, you're just like, well, what? should I laugh at that? Should I not laugh at that? I find I have an easier time laughing when there's not someone hysterically laughing next to me, unless it's funny. <laughs> because they're hysterically laughing. So it, right. I went to one of your comedy shows and there was a guy, he must, him and his buddy rolled in late, clearly stoned. Hmm. And one of them was laughing before there was even the joke dropping. Right. Like, ah! to the point where I started recording him with my phone and I would send it <laughs> to my friend. <laughs> Fred went with me. And uh, it's kind of... You know, because people show up to laugh, but you get some people that are cackling. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess you call those people out sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it, if it's going to be funny to call them out, then you call them out, you know? 
Yeah. Or reference it or, you know. So do people ever come up to comedians afterwards and go, I was insulted by that joke? Um, it happens all or the that's time. that's not that environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen it happen, but it, I, I've never had it because my stuff is usually so personal. Yeah. That I'm, if anything, I'm making fun of myself. Right. And my experience. Um, and that's where some of the jokes that I maybe have tried that I was just like, oh, I can't, I'm not going to do that joke. Because mm. it was like either making fun of something or, you know what I mean? It wasn't true to my general. Um, who you are. Yeah, who I, who I am and what kind of my what story is. What would be is. your dream of where this could all go? <sighs> wow. Um, it's funny. I'm so skill oriented that I focus more on being really good. I don't think of the outcome and that's been part of my problem in life in general. And you helped me with that. And that's why I'm in the book because we did that exercise about money and, and you know, uh, worth and all that sort of stuff. And, and you started charging more, getting more. Yeah. And I'm making, making more, more money for the same amount of work and I'm, you know, I'm financially more secure and stable and happy. And you know, there's way less stress in my life. Right. So Thank you so much for that because it literally has changed my life. And um, so to a fault, I don't focus on the outcome, whether it be financial or success. Uh -huh. I always focus on the skill and it's probably something I need to change in this endeavor well, as well. Well, I think sometimes it's helpful um, to envision where we want it all to go. Mm -hmm. Um and what I mean by that is just kind of the energy and the not so much. I was, I'll come across people that will say, I want to win an Oscar. Mm. I'm like, for, okay. Like, <laughs> like I've, I've heard that a lot in Los Angeles. <laughs> okay. You know, really, it's so important. Uh, uh, a trophy. Sure. A trophy. Yeah. A trophy that everyone sees you got a trophy. And then next year, there's a new trophy for someone else. But um, I think it's helpful to envision lifestyle experiences and everything that can come as doing something that you're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean outcome in the sense of I'm going to go perform in front of, you know, 5,000 people. Right. It's outcome in the sense of gosh i would really love to collaborate with people and i would love oh, okay. my comedy to be able and what i write maybe i can partner on a show and i write something or maybe i'm able to blank 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 and just i i think that the more we start to think that way mm -hmm. the more we plant seeds in life and the more we're able to connect dots right because we have a little bit of a vision yeah and then we kind of know what's in alignment and what opportunities are there. So yeah, I think it's helpful to think, gosh, it would be pretty cool to collaborate on blank or, um, you know, I, I want to be able to have the experience where, you know, I'm doing comedy and people are bringing this joy or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, or not. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but I think if, if we want to grow something, um, I've come to realize, so in recovery, there's a saying attraction rather than promotion mm -hmm. that you always want to attract people to have what you have and that you never promote it. Okay. 
that sounds good and it works for sobriety but it doesn't necessarily work in business you mm. know you need sales you need marketing you need sure. to grow something i functioned a lot in life where i would just kind of float around and and lately i've spent more time just kind of sitting still and envisioning what i want mm -hmm. and the experiences that i want and i think that is a helpful exercise to keep doing and it's hard to do because a we don't like to sit still and envision b we're not taught to do this and also we don't know where we're going and that's why it's great to go gosh I, this type of energy i'd really like in my creative projects i'd mm -hmm. really enjoy working with uh someone where we create something and it feels amazing and so i'd highly suggest that to you if you start you know in whether it be your meditation or your walks or your workouts to start envisioning okay and and not just be in the the daily it's important I, I never think it, it, living in the future is never great mm -hmm. but envisioning uh the energy around it i think is great yeah and i think you're right that i do need to do more of that and look at it in different aspects rather than just success because to me that like almost like you're saying like i want to win an oscar to me like being like i want to be just feels arrogant and kind of self-indulgent yeah but i do want to be really great at it i do want to make money at it i do want to make a lot of money at it that'd be great because I enjoy it. So it'd right. be great to make money. And that's kind of why I'm glad that I still like training. Because it's like, I make money at this thing that I enjoy doing. Yeah. Like, I love it. Like, yeah. I don't, and they say, you know, what, what's the saying? If you do something that you love, you never never work a day in your life. And that, like, there's days where I feel like that. I'm like, my day was just so full. Full. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I got, got to see a lot of great people, help them, you know advise yeah. them and you know just have a good time yeah it's it, life's interesting whenever we try to do new things what can come in so i was sharing that i did this animation that i'm going to mm -hmm. put out and literally i thought to myself gosh it'd be really nice to collaborate with mm. an artist and i ended up talking to this artist in brazil and i thought we were going to collaborate and i got all excited because you know we could use his images for the next and then he told me it was twelve thousand mm. dollars I'm like, I'm not paying $12,000. And I thought this was a collaboration. But then a week later, I got a phone call about this. There's a show coming out, an animated TV show, and they wanted someone to come in and work their retreat. And hmm. what I was able to do was work into my deal instead of them paying a full fee is that I collaborate with them wow. on some animations. Look at that. I have not had any animation companies hit me up to work with them in 18 years. Right. Right. So I have to think that by putting this new energy out yes. there and thinking and allowing it to happen somehow attracted yeah. animation. Yeah. I'm a big believer in it. You know, absolutely. What you put out, you get back. And then know? the next day you think nothing happens for a reason. You know, it's like, yeah, such a roller coaster. And, and the process that you're now in, it's all, it all builds on itself. Yeah. You know, sitting down and writing that story that day one, takes you to the idea like, oh, this could be a cool cartoon. Well, I don't know anything about cartoons. How do I find someone to do cartoons? I don't know. I'll just kind of work on it. Right. And then that happens and you go, okay, cool. Then you, then, you know, at some point you'd be like, what's the next, what's the next episode? Yeah. And then, you know what I mean? And then your skill improves in that. And then 
the show gets better and better and better. And then you have this really quality, great product that you're putting out that yeah. all started with one idea. Yeah. Some story you wrote when you just sat down and decided to write something. Yeah. And it's interesting because even the animation to put on social media, there's a part of me that goes, Mike, it's not, it's not a plus, you know, set up and it's not funny. You know, it's kind of the serious animation. Mm. Like, are people just going to go, what, what's wrong with him? But then the other part of me is like, no, this is how you feel. And this is what yeah, put you want to do. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'll show you the animation right after and yeah. get your 10 cents. Sure. And all. at some point, if you want to make them uh, more funny, I can collaborate with you. Yeah, on we those. can collaborate can on Punch them up a little bit. And, yeah. And I have tons of friends that probably would be interested as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd yeah, be yeah. pretty cool. Well, Mike, thanks for coming in and connecting with me. And uh, everyone can follow you on social at Coach Quads. Yep. And uh, if they're in the Los Angeles area or ever going to Los Angeles area, they can always come to one of your comedy shows. Sure. Yeah. And you post all about that. And yeah, usually on the Coach Quads Instagram. And uh, I have a, a. It's Coach Q U A D S. Yep. Okay, cool. Coach Quads. Well, thanks for having you, me. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Thanks. All right. And uh, thanks to everyone who's listening. Make sure to follow Coach Quads. Tell them what you thought of this conversation. Uh, you can check out what we were talking about in One Decision. So if you're kind of stuck, needing to make more money in, in a service profession, then there's some tips and different ways to look at what you do for a living in One Decision, the first step to a better life. And helped Mike make probably over 20% more money. Yeah. Yeah. Just within an hour of us making one decision. So yeah. Rate and review this podcast till next time. Keep it magical.